Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 35. Five. Oh, almost, yeah. That was good, but it's confusing because we haven't released episode 34 at the point of this recording. Correct, but then we've released the minis, and the minis get me off track that, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that numerical order is different. Yeah, and, and we just hit mini number 16, and so then I wasn't sure if the six was coming from full episode or the mini. All very interesting. Do you want to know what else is interesting? What? I have some factoids for you. Is it about light beer or... or yeah. Not light beer, non-alcoholic. Non-alcoholic. Beer. First of all, Shane, cheers. Happy Saturday night. Thank you for saving me today. We'll get into that later. All right. So as you guys know, Shane, and I have really been digging on the non-alcoholic beer. So I decided to look it up today. This was purely for interest sake, but it is very interesting. So I thought I'd bring it up on here and I've, I've saved these factoids from Shane until now. So there are... Obviously, we've all seen studies like, oh, you know, skip your workout and drink a glass of red wine. It's good for you. And there's conflicting studies about Is the alcohol. advice skip the workout? Well, it, it, there's. I have actually seen studies, don't know how legit they are, about a glass of red wine being as beneficial for you as a workout. Oh, I've heard it's healthy, but I've I heard like in conjunction with the normal workout routine and diet. Well, it, that's what I think they would assume the people that are listening to these but you know the people that are you know reading these studies and really taking them to heart are just people who likely just want to enjoy several glasses of red wine everyone's an idiot <laughs> except for us who understands are you kidding me anybody who listens to this podcast knows <laughs> knows what knowledge of non-knowledge is power you have to know that you're an idiot it's true uh, yeah, you won't get anywhere. Anyhow, alcohol-free beer. The benefits of alcohol-free beer. They actually help you recover from exercise. They help you cut cholesterol. And obviously, they reduce... This one just says reduce calorie intake, but that's only compared to full-cal beer. And not even all low-calorie beers have a low... Sorry, low non-alcoholic beers have a low-calorie intake. So did you know the differences between the... Low alcoholic, non alcoholic. So low alcohol is considered between zero point five and one point two percent. So that's like your Radlers and things like that. What is it? The Michelob Ultra. Then dealcoholized is zero point five or less, and that's actually the same as ripe fruit. So zero point five percent, which is what our Coors Edge are. If you eat a ripe banana or like a ripe peach. That has the same amount of alcohol in it. Can babies drink Coors Edge? Well, if they can eat a ripe banana, I'm going to say yes. Can they eat ripe bananas? I haven't looked into that, but I'm assuming yes. Okay. Don't try any of this at home, folks, before consulting your own doctors. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see that doctor visit. Um, just the ripe banana question. I know on a podcast. I know we're in a lockdown, but uh, my kid might want to eat a ripe banana, so I thought I'd venture out of that. Anyway. <laughs> and then there's alcohol-free, which is 0.05% or less. So this would be like your Heineken 0.0 and things like that. Uh, I found a lot of good information on non-alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic drinks in general, like great alcohol-free cocktails on the soberists.com. It's a website. They say like they're exploring non-alcoholic living or something like that. And 
it's beautiful recipes all around it's it's really cool if we had access to seed lip the non-alcoholic spirit i'd be all over that website right now i wonder if we can get some new yeah i was just gonna say we can probably deliver it we may as well because for your birthday that was my plan and i was actually in the process of ordering and then you were like oh there's a ban on amazon or something you came in and i was like you know we had been there was a delay so I didn't. We had been screwed by Amazon Prime before, yes. and packages not coming. Turns out they ended up coming extraordinarily late, and were hidden around our house in some cases, around the corner from our house. But I didn't want to waste money. Yeah. But now we've used Amazon Prime, uh, so I think it's safe to order Seedlip. Yeah, and you know what? Quarantine's been going on for a while. I say we just live it up a little bit. Like Trump said, I think it's too strict. <laughs> to people. Uh, will you drink non-alcoholic beverages after baby Betty or will you be like the party's on? The party is on. I'm already feeling like the party's on. I'm already excited for that. A friend of mine posted a photo of a margarita day. We had a bit of, of a sunny day in Hamilton and just staring at her margarita picture. Like my mouth started salivating and I just started getting real jealous. So of course there'll be that initial like three week bender you go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys know the old pregnancy <laughs> postpartum bender. <laughs> but I mean, after that, will you just stick to regular alcohol beverages? Alcoholic? I, I really love this Coors Edge. And if I'm feeling like having a drink at the end of a long day on the couch, I would love to be able to still have Coors Edge in the house. Will you ever turn straight edge? No. Okay. No. Say that with confidence. Because I love wine. And you cannot get good non-alcoholic wine yet yet but still wait till coors comes out with their next batch of uh <laughs> berry blast or whatever. but on it like why would you even want a non-alcoholic red if you have a barolo looking at you or a chianti well, or something Alex, like you have oh to be sensitive God. that some people actually have problems. in my situation oh, okay in my situation well you, you just said like a general you i'm talking about the royal me gotcha. you <laughs> so lastly my last non-alcoholic beer factoid if you're drinking alcoholic beer you'll actually get the same reward from your brain as you would if you were drinking non-alcoholic beer so the stimulus that it produces in your brain hoping this sounds scientific is the same if you don't know which one it is so it's like the placebo effect essentially Uh, so non-alcoholic beer can make you feel like you're drinking real alcohol yes but it it produces the same you know, feel good hormones and things and chemicals as real beer does. I'm paying attention to you. I know it looks like I'm. What the hell are you the, saying? That that world event is on right now. A one world together at home. I just want it on in the oh, background. We forgot about this. In case something, it's on every channel. I'll just put it like turn it down. Just in case something interesting happens. Do you want to restart it? Or, oh, it's playing. Um. So Shane, how we got uh, about ten minutes before our caller, but how how are you doing today? Are you trying to team me up for... No, I'm just saying now that you're inundated with beer facts, let's uh, switch topic. That was good. You helped me today. I had a... Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's a commercial. I just saw Troy. Oh, nice. We are watching a commercial that I had a very small part in filming right now, like submitting footage to. And by I mean small part, I mean I asked some close friends to submit uh, footage and they picked one clip. That's that's been Ben Mulroney's wife there. But yeah, so today was a hard day for me because I didn't have a great sleep last night, mm-hmm. and I 
maybe overcaffeinated myself today and there were some Easter eggs laying around, like chocolate eggs, <laughs> and I might have eaten too much candy and I had a total almost panic attack. Now, I've had a lot of panic attacks in my life, so I'm fairly, even when my body's freaking out, my mind is calm, but today was a tough one and I, I have an, also a problem that I can't sleep, so I know I needed to gain because I, I maybe slept three and a half hours last night. That's so I, brutal. I needed probably four more hours to normalize or at least a nap, but I'm incapable of napping. So I had you come in the bed and just kind of hold me. It sounds weird, <laughs> but you held me to calm me down for how long was that? About an hour. An hour. And although I wasn't sleeping, I had totally calmed my mind. You did go to sleep at one point. Did I? Yeah, because you were talking in your sleep. What was I saying? Uh, you were like... Yeah, you were making weird noises. It was like like scared noises, and it freaked me out. Uh, but it sounded like you were having a bad dream. Oh, I felt pretty serene. Like you were you were very calm, and then I figured you were asleep. And then the next thing I knew, you went like, ah! And then like <laughs> you muttered a little bit, and then nothing. Oh. I was in that weird stasis between sleep and non-sleep. Uh, but thank you for doing that to well, help it's, me. Well, it's interesting. So I had a panic attack last summer. I was uh, running the stairs, which I like to do for exercise. And then I just felt like out of nowhere, I couldn't breathe. I was going to faint. My heart was going to, like, I was going to have a heart attack. And I called you. You were at work. I was like, Shane, I think I might have a heart attack. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then you kind of talked me through it. Like, Alex, you're having a panic attack just start breathing and you you stayed on the phone until I felt better and it took like 10 minutes it was awful but I'm so unfamiliar with those like that was the first one and I think the only one I've ever had uh but it's something that you've been through more so to somebody who doesn't know that's listening what exactly you go through in a panic attack like can you describe what it feels like physically uh it's like a feeling of surreality i don't know if that's words it's a surreal feeling in which you are certain that you're going to die or uh lose touch with reality right or lose your mind or have a heart attack or faint fainting's a big one and then you're worried i'm going to faint here and hit my head on the cement or or i'm going to embarrass myself because i'm at work right now and i'm i i can't handle this i'm gonna have to tell my boss and and then all of that keeps perpetuating perpetuating until you have a full-blown panic attack and that can cause involuntary spasms right. uh, my stomach usually has this crazy shaking and then my my limbs will start to shake sometimes i i get sleep paralysis i'll wake up and i can't move my arms and my legs that hasn't happened to me in over 10 years but that is a very terrifying thing that uh, has happened to me because i'm having like a panic in my sleep and the blood flow stops working properly in my body and then the only thing that can move is my head and I used to wake up for months not being able to move any limbs and I luckily I had a girlfriend at the time who would um, rub my arms and until my, I can get feeling back that is but, so scary yeah I, I it's an irrational fear that you're either losing your mind or you're gonna have a heart attack or die or faint mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you were approaching today but yeah, and it's just you can't really focus on day-to-day life because you're so fixated on this these rational fears running through your head, and it really feels like doom and gloom. And uh, I, I, I've been through it so many times. I knew I just needed a proper sleep, but mm-hmm. I also was supposed to help you uh, do a photo shoot today, and I was also supposed to do this podcast, which I canceled 
But then yeah. I felt much better, and then I re cancel uncancelled. <laughs> Sorry, Elton John's on the screen right now. Let's pause it so we can watch all this after. He's playing a piano by, by a basketball. basketball. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I actually had not expected you to come down and record with me tonight uh, and do the call with me. I was. Well, I told you I wasn't going to. Well, I know that, but then even when you were starting to feel better, I just was expecting you to sit this one out while I did the caller tonight. And I'm I'm so happy that you joined me. Yeah, I feel better. I feel a lot more normal. Eating that delicious food you made for supper was good. Mm, braised beef ravioli. But we are going to have a truncated episode. So we're going to have one caller instead of... We kind of have regulated it where we have two callers per episode. So this is going to have one caller. And we have two? Yeah. One tomorrow. Remember? Oh, never mind. Okay. So it's, it's probably going to be a normal episode in length. <laughs> I just want to let you know that, you know, a panic attack or not, this podcast keeps on trucking. Shaney Boy's here, guys, and I'm so happy for it, and I hope you are too. Can't stop, won't stop. Also, we have a lot of questions to answer at the end of the show, so please stick around for that, because who also, knows, this might end up being a longer episode than our normal ones, panic attack aside. Yeah, we'll see. But again, so grateful you're here tonight, because you actually drew the questions in. Well problem is when you do it you don't really say like the sense of urgency so when i'm on there they're like why is shane speaking he, he, <laughs> he never talks to the camera and then i i admit like we're desperate for questions and then the people are uh they get a confidence that oh my question is actually going to be answered i'm not just throwing it into the abyss which sometimes with these influencers you feel like you submit a question and then they don't actually talk about it on the podcast and we are going to hit Every single one. Every single one. I don't care if this is a two-hour pod. I don't care how dumb the questions are. I appreciate every question. I appreciate every fan. And this family tree is going to reach 10,000 followers before Betty is born. All right. Let's uh, take a two-second break before this caller. Who is the caller is my next question. (laughs) All right. So first on the dog tonight is Expecting and Empowered. That is their brand. We're going to have Crystal from Expecting and Empowered. So it's a duo. It's two women who have put together this program that helps women that, you know, begin in pregnancy and they either want to stay toned, stay fit, help themselves feel better, like just manage pain and then takes them through to postpartum. And then the program stops when you're kind of ready to be let off of it. So you are recovered fully and they do everything. It's it's very cool. So they talk about, you know, if you have ab separation, if you have a C-section, pelvic floor issues, and they'll help create workouts and fitness plans for you and your needs. So it's a really neat program and I've been following them for several months now. And I'm very excited to have Crystal online tonight. Do you think this is more for women who are pregnant or women who are post-pregnancy? I don't know because it's it's like it's a two-fold program. Add that to so the I question think, list. I'm kidding. I'll remember it. So I, I think women find them typically when they're pregnant because they are big in the maternity world on Instagram. And then they likely stick with them through to postpartum. But I can imagine a lot of women who might even, you know, be in great fitness shape. Uh, during their pregnancy not really looking for help outside of what they already do but then who knows what happens after they deliver their baby especially if it's through something like a c-section then that's when i could see they you know start finding their way all right time we got three minutes three minutes okay i can wait a couple minutes elton is singing this weird 
Hi, this is Crystal. Hey, Crystal. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. No, this is fantastic. So I've been following uh, Expecting and Empowered, which you are one half of, right? Yes. Yep. Amy, my sister, is the other half. I didn't know you were sisters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was her idea. Okay. So I definitely need to get into this, but... I have been following you for a few months. Uh, I was looking for some, you know, good pregnancy exercise because I wasn't feeling as healthy as I did with my first pregnancy. And I asked my followers for some suggestions. And I had a wave of women suggesting, expecting, and empowered. So I started following you guys. And it is incredible what you do. So we kind of went through it in the intro. But can you tell us how how you guys started this business? Yeah, so basically, Amy had just kept seeing all these. So Amy's background is personal training. Okay. And she just kept seeing all these people that were asking, like, what should I be doing during pregnancy? And, like, what kind of was taking her back was the answers below. You know, like, there's little direction. There's little research in the direction. It was just kind of people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, that's, like, the most fragile time in a woman's, like, physical, mental well-being, like, so that, like, really has to be nurtured, and so basically, we're just seeing, like, a huge need for that, and then, so my background is in physical therapy, orthopedics, and women's health, Right. so then that's when she asked, like, hey, do you, like, want to put these guides together, because basically, what they are, are prehabbing and rehabbing, because, you know, during pregnancy, there's a host of different things that happen to people and a lot of them are common, but they really shouldn't be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're sh- what the guides try to do is try to minimize that. And one of the things is the neck tension and shoulder tension that we might talk about tonight. And then, you know, like sciatica, pubic symphysis pain, calf cramps. These are all things that our body's doing to compensate for something else. We're missing stability or mobility in a certain area. So our body will compensate in these different patterns. Um, so basically the guides, it's like um, putting spinach in your kid's smoothie. You like really don't know you're getting rehab exercises, but you're just doing like an awesome workout. Um, so that's what the guides are structured for, which is kind of cool because we go through every single problem and research studies and then we pull everything together and then make them into what they are into the workout guides. What do people tend to uh, come to you more for, the prehab or the the rehab? You know what? I think we're just in a society where you like don't think about it until you're experiencing it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, So, for example, like my first pregnancy – my sister and I both ran in college like we're really like into fitness and like enjoy doing things but even though I knew like what modifications should be taken you know like the athlete in you sometimes the overzealous athlete you're like oh that guy next to me is doing a ton of lunges I'm gonna do the same thing (laughs) and so like you tend to get yourself (laughs) so basically most people end up coming for the the rehab portion of it Mm -hmm. but the passion behind it is really the prehab like can we minimize like stress urinary incontinence in women um because we know that has a lot to do with postpartum depression anxiety can we like minimize the aches and pains of pregnancy so do you like really have to have a sore hip at the third trimester of pregnancy probably not if there's more symmetry but most people end up finding us kind of like 
uh, you were finding us, you were wondering what to do and then not feeling your best Mm -hmm. and you could feel better. So most of it is the rehab, unfortunately, but we're trying to change that. So the, the prehab definitely helps with the pregnancy, of course, but does the prehab help with the rehab? (laughs) 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 It sounds like I'm rapping right now. Totally. So no, for, so for example, like a quarterback He's going to do the same exact exercises, movement patterns, whether he's injured or not. So you want to reduce his rate of injury because those are, Mm. you know, like high, high dollar athletes. So you want to prehab him so that he doesn't injure himself. So you're training for something super sport specific. So, for example, in the pregnancy guide, we're in the third trimester really starting to train moms for the muscles that they need to take care of a newborn and other toddlers. So a lot of that is, you know, like a lot of upper back strengthening, um, deep hip mobilization and strength in the hips to help widen the pelvis for labor and delivery. So honestly, they're almost the same thing. So to prehab something, you look at what the rehab is. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Of course, yeah. So when I was pregnant with my first two years ago, I remember like I was feeling really good then and I was able to keep working out throughout the whole pregnancy and I remember like I was using reddit at that time and I went into a reddit fitness group and I was like hi I'm looking you know for any women who have been pregnant or are pregnant and can offer just some advice like should I be doing this this and this and then instead of help I got laughed off the board and ridiculed and I was like all right this is you know, very awkward. I feel very down on myself. What they ridicule you about? Being a mom. They started like, they were misogynistic assholes. Oh, 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 it was men. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it was men and women, but the vocal ones, you know. And uh, and then it was really hard for me (laughs) to find the help I needed because then I had this like kind of sense of shame about everything and embarrassment. So I love the fact that you're expecting and empowered. You want women to be able to help themselves. So dealing with women. In- oh, we literally talk about all things, sex, like everything, peeing your pants. Cause this is so normal. Like that's like function. Like, so if as a physical therapist, if I send in um, goals for insurance companies to come back and support, like sex is like a normal thing, something that they will actually reimburse for, you know, like my goal is to have this patient be able to have pain-free sex in four weeks or whatever. But if I were to say like, my goal is to have this patient like do a yoga session pain-free, that claim would come back denied, you know? So we're like missing, missing a lot of the, the gist of like what we do as human beings and how we function. And that's so important to not only your physical health, but your mental health, your relationships, everything. So I wanted to ask you, what are the most common concerns you hear from women, both in the pregnancy phase and in the postpartum phase? Yeah, so pregnancy is a lot more aches and pains, right? So Mm. people complain about sciatica, hip tightness, soreness, pubic synthesis problems, a lot of it because there's so much pressure on the pelvic floor and downward. Also, uh, 
people think it's normal to piddle during pregnancy too. So stress, urinary incontinence, people Mm -hmm. don't complain about that. A lot of people have it during pregnancy and then they don't complain about that too. So, and then during postpartum, a lot of people are talking about the major issues, you know, like returning to postpartum intercourse um, because 30% of women will have trouble with that even all the way up until six months. Um, And then again, urinary stress incontinence and then just not being able to like get back to their, what they would say, quote unquote, normal is. So like a runner, we know that postpartum a whole year later, runners will show a lot of side to side lateral sway, which right running is a forward motion. We want to keep moving forward. So every time we like develop these compensatory patterns where we're like shifting the weight so far left, right, left, right, instead of forward. I mean, that's just driving the joints, the pelvis, like mm-hmm. into extreme motions that it's not meant to be in. Um, and you see like a lot of low back lordosis, which is the rounding of the low back. So again, that's, um, you're not able to absorb force. Like your muscles aren't able to absorb it, which makes you more injury prone. So in postpartum women, it's just getting back to like what they would think of as normalcy. Right. And how long, like what is normalcy? Like how how long should that take till you feel like just how you did before birth? It takes so long, so much longer than you would think because there's a couple of factors, right? So your body has lost its automation because your diaphragm gets moved up, your pelvic floor is like pushed downwards. So our core function is how we automate things. It's it's like the foundation of our movement, right? Everything mm-hmm. moves off of that. So you're, you have that stacked up against you. Then if you're breastfeeding or pumping, those hormones that are driving through the system still have relaxin in them, which makes us more unstable. And uh, to that does not stop until six months after you've actually stopped pumping or breastfeeding, which is insane. So, you know, like say a mom breastfeeds for a whole year, that's a year and a half until like that piece comes back onto the table. So insane how long the recovery is. And then, so for me, um, I had, and I know you guys have kids close in age as well, but uh, you have subsequent pregnancies and sometimes no break in between. Right. So that Mm -hmm. whole system I mean, sometimes normally you don't get back for like five years until you're done having kids and like a year and a half out. Wow, whole new respect for women going through that. Jeez, (laughs) that's a long time. No, you know, it, it makes so much sense. My dad is like our biggest fan and he's like, he'll watch all our stories. And he's like, oh, my God, I did not know all this stuff happened to women. I should have been nicer to your mom. (laughs) Yeah, because you kind of think of it as just carrying the baby and then having the baby and then that's it. That's how I thought it was before I'd actually been with Alex and had my own child. That's how I thought it was, too, before I had a kid and everything that happened postpartum, I was totally not expecting. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I only finished breastfeeding Lucy in late October. So going right from that to pregnancy again, I definitely feel so weird, like even weirder than I did the first time. That's probably why, too, you were like, hey, I felt good the first time. And then I'm wondering, like, why I don't feel like the same. You would expect those pregnancies to be, like, equal. And unless you're doing the rehabbing in between them, 
Um, and even sometimes, even with that, you still aren't back to like normal before your next pregnancy. So if I was to come to you guys, like expecting and empowered, and I said, look, and like these are my actual issues, right? So if I said, I am seven months pregnant, I have uh, urinary incontinence if I like sneeze or run or jump, and I have neck pain and lower back pain, like all the time but when I sleep and it's just so heavy like I just feel so much pressure uh down below and it's really hard to do anything but I want to do what I can then how would you guys be able to help somebody like me out well I think a lot of it is automating that system again so like when I'm talking about the system uh, your core is comprised of your diaphragm your pelvic floor your low back muscles and your abdominal muscles so we want it there's a pressure variant in that so we want to keep that pressure variant like at an ideal level but what happens during pregnancy is obviously there's a fetus in there and Mm -hmm. then you can't take a deep breath in and that's why people feel so short of breath sometimes and then so basically we want to be able to help normalize that right so even when you you are listing those four issues i would say what you would have to work on the most is your diaphragmatic breath to normalize the pressure gradient because our pelvic floor will start working with the diaphragm if you have proper breathing Mm -hmm. so for you like even without seeing how you move but just based on what you told me um you breathe literally in your neck so what happens especially during this pandemic right so this is like a normal thing during pregnancy and especially too in postpartum but then all of a sudden you have this extra stress of this pandemic and Mm -hmm. you know we're all feeling it so then our bodies go into fight or flight and so that drives up the sympathetic nervous system and then our shoulders shrug up towards our ears that shortens the muscles in the front of our neck that help those short shallow breaths So then we're almost like kind of flung into that pattern where we want to take short, shallow breaths instead of breathing into the diaphragm. And then that would fix almost like a ton of stuff if even just restoring that pattern. So for somebody like you in the guide, it has it like you, it like walks you through all this, but you could do diaphragmatic breath on all fours, thinking about breathing into your back. And then too, some of it is like supporting the body as a whole, like the pattern. So making sure that you have upper back strength because mm-hmm. that will pull your shoulders back, which pull your head right back over your shoulders more. Um, some neck strengthening and then pelvic floor strengthening. All of it's like laid out in the guide and it's kind of it's specific to what part of pregnancy you're in. Um, so... I mean, we're always sharing tips on our Instagram, but also, I mean, the guides are like the golden ticket. Even when I see patients in the clinic, as a provider, I can get your neck moving. I can like stretch your pelvic floor. I can do different things. But during pregnancy, you've lost like a lot of stability and a lot of automation in the system. So So it's actually something that people themselves have to work on usually so these things like perfectly describe what i'm going through because i'm incredibly short of breath and like i need i need to become part of this i know where to find you guys but for other listeners who aren't familiar with expecting and empowered where can they find you online yeah so mainly we live on instagram so that's expecting and empowered And then once people purchase the guide, we have a really awesome Facebook community, Expecting an Empowered Mama community, that there's a lot of 
um, good information and chatting in there, but expecting and empowered on Instagram, otherwise expecting and empowered dot com and a lot of that stuff too what we've done is like created a kind of a library so like say you have sciatic pain pubic synthesis pain if you go to our blog and just in the search box types that um they'll come up with all kinds of different tips and tricks like how to modify your activities like how you should sit in the bed how you should um like change your car seat what you can do all these different things that like you go into your doctor and then you're like, yo, I have round ligament pain. He's like, yeah, that sucks. That's normal during pregnancy. And I'm like, no, dude, there's like so much you can do to make that person (laughs) much more comfortable. And it's a more enjoyable experience. Well, thank honestly on, on the blog. Thank goodness for you guys, because there is such a need for this. I'm living the need for this. And uh, I totally appreciate what you guys do. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. Everybody, check out Expecting and Empowered. It is wonderful. Crystal, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, you have a good night. Yeah, you guys too. Bye-bye. All right, so we are going to make a call to Haley Harlock. This will be her second time coming on the podcast. But she is the founder of The Flipside Life, which is a support group for spouses and partners and families of frontline workers, people in the medical field. And she started this before the COVID pandemic. She did. So she started it at the end of last year. So when she was on our podcast initially, she was coming on and had just started setting things up online. So she had the ideas there. She had the foundations laid and was just starting to develop, I guess, her online outreach. So it's almost like she created lifeboats when the Titanic was going, before the Titanic hit the iceberg. Yeah, well, because she's a physician's wife herself, so she realizes the need in just everyday life for physicians, partners, and families to get support because it is a wild job, and physicians themselves are often exposed to psychological stress because of their job. So she saw the need even before this. And now I think the flip side life seems to be just taking off. Let's give her a call. Hello. Hey, Haley. Hi, Alex. How are you? So good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. So we have been so excited to talk to you again. And we just did a bit of an intro uh, reminding everyone that we had you on this Family Tree podcast at the end of last year when you had just started getting the flip side life kind of on the road. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So now, not only have you got things moving, but we are in a time of incredible need for a support group like yours. So can you kind of tell us about what you've been hearing or the people that you've been getting and coming to join the group in the midst of this crisis? Right. So yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. And um, so when this pandemic started, um, it's five. We're, I think we're into week six now. You know, I think it took everybody by surprise. I don't think, especially in, you know, in this area. Um, and I just felt really helpless at first. And I thought, you know, how, how can we come together and to support our community of physician families as this is slowly starting to take off? So that's where I just thought, okay, we're going to do uh, weekly peer support calls. And so I just sort of put it out there. And the first week I ran two of them and I didn't know if anyone would show up. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just sort of, you know, announce on, uh, via social media and on the website that these calls are available for any any spouses or partners of physicians or medical trainees, like medical students, 
the residence. And lo and behold, you know, people showed up and we've had people join the calls from all over Ontario, from New York, from California, Texas, Montana, and we've even had a person join all the way from New Zealand. And it's been really interesting to see that even though um, in different geographical locations, uh, different geographical locations have been hit differently Mm -hmm. in terms of COVID surges, but that amongst, you know, the families that I've had contact with, that really the experiences are universal. There's so many so many similarities in what people are are feeling and what they're going through. Absolutely. Well, I, I can't imagine doing that, being going through that myself. But I've been seeing so many videos and things online of nurses and doctors pleading with the public to keep themselves safe, keep themselves at home because they're going through hell. And then I just get nervous if Shane's gone somewhere overnight. I couldn't imagine him right. going to the front lines of this pandemic, and being a part of it. And your husband, John, uh, I read yes. in a CBC article, he has now had to self-isolate twice. Is that correct? Twice. So we're getting really good at the self-isolation <laughs> over here. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that's been really, um, it's one of those things where both times uh, his exposure, uh, you know, it wasn't like he was taking care of a COVID positive patient, you know, in full mm-hmm. PPE and mask knowingly that this was happening. And uh, so it was a few days later, um, even a week later um, on the, the first instance that he had had contact. And and it's always, you know, it's in the back of your mind where it's, it's mm-hmm. one thing you, you don't want to overreact because you don't know what's going to happen and or if anything is going to happen. And we were really fortunate that both uh, exposures, uh, John was okay and our kids were okay. And as a mom, your mom, you know, like that's the first place you go to, I think, as a mother is you're not really worried yeah. about yourself. You're worried about but your babies. And, and that was, I have to admit the, the second exposure that John had, uh, there was a couple of days where I was like, Oh, you know, do I, you know, do I have aches? Uh, you know, do I, mm-hmm. maybe I have a headache? Like, and it was almost like, I'm sure I was just making myself crazy, but so that, you know, so that hit home for our family of sort of having to, um, to, to deal with the wondering and, and wondering if something was going to happen. And the kids, um, you know, the kids were sort of our youngest is seven. And he was like, you know, mommy, am I going to get, am I going to get the coronavirus? And, and it's hard as a parent when you when you honestly, I mean, we're very open and honest with our kids about mm-hmm. everything at an age appropriate level. But when you can't, I mean, I couldn't look him in the eye and say, nobody, you're, you know, you're not yeah. going to get sick because I don't, you know, you don't know. So, so, yeah, so we, so that hit home a little bit for us. Some of the uh, people that I've had contact with, you know, one spouse of a physician in, in right in New York City, whose partner is working in the ICU and. Uh, you know, they don't have any family around and, and two small humans to take that she's mm-hmm. taking care of. And she shared with us just the experience of she needed groceries and almost got tur- like she had to pack up her babies to go get groceries because that was her only option mm-hmm. and almost got turned away. And, and, you know, she's it was sort of like she's dealing with enough as it is. And yeah. let alone just that practical piece of you know, who would nobody wants to take a toddler and a baby grocery shopping, let alone, you know, in a pandemic that and I think that's where we have to have more compassion for people, right? Just in general that, you know, sometimes you have to do things that you don't necessarily want to do. And I think here in Ontario, in particular, we've been, you know, we've done a good job with, you know, self isolating and social distancing, where mm-hmm. our surges have not been what, you know, what New York has seen, for example. And I think that's left a lot of people, partners and families of, of physicians here in our area, kind of just having some anxieties over the waiting for something to happen. And that's a real, you know, now we're on going into week six of sort of the you know, waiting to see if something's going to happen. And that's really taken a toll on people as well. And what is the functionality of the 
the service you provide is it more is it like a zoom is it is it just over the phone so good question so these calls have been and like i said they were launched sort of you know just on the fly um, these calls have been done over zoom i've also done a couple um, one-to-one calls just you know for whatever reason somebody hasn't been able to make the group call or just isn't comfortable in a group setting so yeah so but but the weekly thursday night calls have been via zoom uh, before we introduce you, I was kind of equating this to creating lifeboats before the Titanic hit the iceberg. I'm wondering now that this pandemic's actually happened, are you finding you're overwhelmed with people interested in this? Maybe it's hard to keep up with the support group. Um, so the these Thursday night support groups, I sort of when I launched them said that I will do these every Thursday until they're no longer needed. So when you know one Thursday evening comes and I'm the only one on the call, then I'll know that our community doesn't need that particular support. They were really in response to the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. I think we, we've had a really amazing week this week of um, just media coverage. So the awareness that the Flipside Life exists where a lot of people did not know that we existed. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that because the more people that know that we exist and know about the initiative, the more people we can serve. But you're not finding it's overwhelming. It's still manageable for you. It's manageable. And, you know, Shane, I like even if it was, you know, even if the numbers were so high that we couldn't manage, we would figure out a way to make it manageable. What is the biggest concern that you see people coming to the flip side life with right now? Is it fear of their spouse getting sick, fear of them and their kids getting sick? Or is it dealing with like the psychological stuff that their spouse is going through? It's yes, yes, and yes, and yes to all of the above. It's, um, you know, there's the media's done, you know, there's been a lot of coverage about lack of masks and other PPE Mm -hmm. for healthcare workers. So obviously, that's been a huge concern for for the loved ones of people on the front lines. Um, so that's that's a concern. Like I mentioned, just the just the sort of waiting for something hap- for something to happen is causing huge anxiety. And I think though, I think the one, and I've said this many times in the last two weeks, I, I'm a positive person. I always like to look for you know the silver lining and things. And I think the one silver lining that I hope will come out of this health crisis is is increased in mental health conversations across mm-hmm. the board, right? Not just in, you know, within physician families, which on uh, pertaining to phys- phys- uh, physician families, I'm quite excited about maybe more open mental health conversations. But I just think that that's going to be something because this is one experience that it's it's transcended all demographics, right? Nobody Absolutely. has been left untouched by this. And so there's a, a common universal bond right there that we've never really had before where even just, I was just a mom at home with my three kids right mm-hmm. now. Forget about, you know, my husband working in healthcare. I would still have, you know, anxieties about what's going on and, you know, trying to homeschool three kids is God bless teachers everywhere. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think that this is really, I think that this is going, and just, just seeing the, the mental health supports mm-hmm. that have been offered already across the board, free services, you know, you know, 1-800-LINES-TO-CALL. So I, th- I think that's going to be um, a good thing that comes out of it. And I hope it's not just something that's offered, um, you know, right during the crisis. And, and, you know, while it's still a news story, you know, in the, the, the early days once mm-hmm. life goes back to, well, whatever the new normal is going to look like for us. And now, Haley, uh, if people do want to connect with you, if they want to get involved, if they want to get on a Zoom call themselves, yeah. Uh, yeah. how can they do that? They can contact me directly at Haley at thefliplifelife.com. You can also go directly to our website, which is www.theflipsidelife.com and um, and also on all social media channels as well. And are you just the flipside life 
on uh, Instagram? On Instagram, yes. Yeah. Okay. Or 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 if somebody wants to find me directly on social media, it's just Haley H A Y L E Y dot Harlock H A R L O C K. So I'm pretty easy to find if 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 you look for me. That's perfect, Haley. I I just have one last question. I was wondering. Sure. Uh, like I remember when Facebook first came out, it was only available to university students. Uh, right. Do you see something like this branching out to maybe spouses of? police officers or any other like high stress spouse jobs yeah and i think i think there are um, definitely resources out there and that's where sort of when i was doing some research and looking into launching this initiative those were the areas that i was looking looking at as models right mm-hmm. so yeah i do i do think that those frontline workers i think there are already some initiatives available right. whereas physician families i couldn't find anything local or even in canada when i was looking ah, i see okay yeah. Well, Haley, again, thank you so, so much for coming on this Family Tree podcast again. We do love having you. And I am so happy that somebody like you is in our community to help provide support for those who need it. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate having a chat with you guys and uh, and hope you all stay safe and healthy and sane. And yes, thank you so much for well, your time. Same you, to you and Thanks John so much. and the kids as well. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Take guys. Care, Take Haley. care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Okay. Let's get to these questions because we have quite a few and I'm excited to answer them. Okay, so this is actually from intern Erica on Shane's other podcast, Mike on Munch. So she says, do you guys worry Lucy and new baby won't be friends? Since they're so close in age, do you have any plans to make them roll in the same circle of friends in the early years? Because my brother, one year older than I, hated each other in high school, and now we're pretty tight. But I think it gave my parents stress when we used to fight so much. Just curious what you guys think. I am worried that they wouldn't be friends, but I'm confident that they would be. Because I feel like I'm a good mediator. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm like, guys, come on. Yeah, you no. Know, I, it's not the best example of my mediation, <laughs> but I need a real-world scenario to really get my uh, claws in there. Obviously, that is the ideal situation for them to be friends. I know that it's going to be hard at certain points in their life. Uh, I think about my brother and I. We're two years apart. I'm two years older. We have been friends our entire life, and we're very close. However, when we were younger, when we were teenagers, we would definitely fight. And there was a period of time where we were like fist fighting. And even through those fist fights, like we always hung out. We always got into the same things, like the same Through the fist fights. (laughs) Want to see a movie? Yeah. (laughs) In the theater. But I'm not stressing about them not being friends because I don't even see that as a possibility. (laughs) So I just, I only see them, even if they're going to bigger, obviously they will. They're both going to be girls. And... I just, I have high hopes. Like, we're going to do so much stuff as a family, and I think we're pretty fun, you know, if I do say so myself. So I I hope that they have a good time together, even through those tough parts. Ditto. All right. So we are going to start with the listener questions. That wasn't a listener question? Well, that was a private DM, and now here are all the ones under yours. What is your biggest fear about becoming parents of two? Not being able to handle it uh, financially or mentally mentally would be the biggest fear uh financially would be the second biggest fear for me it is just the time and how to even make the time in a day when you have two young children so that's my biggest fear are you planning on doing anything different this time around when raising betty um i do Uh, I, I, i plan to be around more if that's possible like i'd like to plan for that figure out little tricks to be in the home 
Yeah, hopefully work from home. Yeah, like, um, no, yeah, just be around more, I guess. What about you? Yeah, in, in regards to all the decisions we made with parenting, like baby led weaning, you know, gentle cry it out, things like that, I, I don't feel like I want to do anything differently. I really love what we did and I felt so comfortable with it. I definitely won't be giving Lucy a, a piece of an apple earlier than she's ready for because <laughs> that was a big choking scare with Lou and I didn't know any better. So there's there there it is. Next question. What are your thoughts on getting married during the pandemic? I like this. I wouldn't know how to how do you go about that? I don't know how you would go about that. Can you do it? I'm wondering online with the person online. Mm-hmm. And then if you have like a three way Zoom call, you could have your witness on another call and you just maybe gotta mail the paper to everybody. Yeah, I guess the root of the question is, are we traditionalists? And no, we're not. And I think it would be very romantic if 40 years from now, I'm wait, 80 years from now. (laughs) No, what's a good number? 60 years from now to be saying to your grandkids, we got married during the historic pandemic of 2020. There'd be something magical about it. It would. And like, what the hell else are you doing with your time? If you're feeling like you want to get married right now and you have a way to actually do that... I say go for it. What the hell else are you doing? <laughs> Might as well get married. What else are you doing? Scrabble? Get married. Well, then look, you got a built-in honeymoon. You're just both at home cuddling <laughs> all the time. I guess. Sorry. Yeah. I'm having weird uh, words today. I like Next- it for historic reasons. So I say yes. Next question. Has Alex found any workouts that are working better for her? Well, I tried to do, I was starting to do this yoga program, but it was way too advanced for me. I tried it two times. Uh, so you said noga noga to that one but it was like really advanced it was for people who are like total yogis and can do the crazy like you know standing on their big toe while the rest of their body is pointing to the south and uh couldn't do that so just i've been power walking and trying to do lighter yoga flows that i already know from you know just combining stuff that i used to do and we've talked about you scheduling in a workout every day yes yeah just even for my mental health next question has COVID-19 changed your perspective on birth or postpartum if this was my first birth I think I well I'd just be totally scared I would be so fearful right now I just feel so grateful that the first time around I for birth and postpartum I had so much access to things like it was so easy to see my doctors it was so comfortable going in for all the tests that I needed I wasn't nervous about anything and I was able to go to pelvic floor physio I was able to see my chiropractor and I'm realizing that all these like extra necessity the all these extra luxuries that we have to help us out through this incredibly vulnerable time we're so lucky to have access to them because right now like I'm in pain. I'm looking online for things to help me. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult physically, which makes it difficult mentally. And it's a lot weighing on my mind right now. Yeah, I'm trying to look at all the benefits of this. And for me as a dad, having to go back to work uh, with Lucy, like after my first month of paternity leave, I had to go back to work with this COVID thing. I get to have a longer paternity leave kind of. Yeah. So I'm trying to look at that as an advantage. Uh, Next question. I'm pregnant too and so tired. How do you keep from feeling guilty about having no energy for your partner? Do you you feel guilty? Well, I I have energy most of the time, I think. And I think that when one of us is tired, we're generally both on the same page. Thing is, 
I don't I don't know I don't really feel guilty just because I think we work it out into our schedule as well so if I really need to relax or nap and sit down then I do that when it's you and Lucy time you know what I mean yeah so I think scheduling it is a good way to do it oh that it's time for your partner what do you mean it's time for my partner no like she's asking um I'm pregnant too and I'm so tired. How do you keep from feeling guilty about not having any energy for your partner? So like to be, you know, a lover or to be a nurturing partner, not necessarily mom. You don't suffer from that. Do you? From, because here's the thing, you're not pregnant, but you're at home and you're working like you're more than you would if you were commuting, like just brain energy. So do Mm -hmm. you feel like you're too tired to give me uh, the proper attention i feel like i give whatever someone wants from me so that might be a good way to look at this and the person that's asking the question like don't feel guilty because you are creating and carrying another human right now and it's very difficult especially under the circumstances so i think if you could just try to carve out a little bit of time in your days to spend together to try to pep up for each other then that might be good. Do you have any suggestions for that? I like scheduling. Scheduling <laughs> is good. Answers to everything. Oh, and I haven't announced I'm pregnant yet, so don't use my IG name. We are keeping you anonymous, don't worry. But congratulations on your pregnancy. And hopefully, if you're just newly pregnant, you'll start to feel better in the second trimester and you'll get a little more energy because I felt like hell in the first trimester and I was so busy vomiting that I didn't have any time for Shane at all. All right. Why aren't you, this one's for Shane, growing a full beard like the rest of us, you coward? Who's that from? John Popolis. Oh, I think John grows a pretty good beard, but not a great beard. So I think of the people I know who really grow grow great beards, they would say that to him. So since he grows a great beard in comparison to my beard, uh, he's saying that to me. But the fact is I cannot grow a real beard. <laughs> okay. I, I can only grow a mustache. Yeah, and and your style looks great on you. So next question. Favorite places you've traveled with, without Lou? Without Lou, hands down, Greece. Oh, you're cutting me out of the equation. I see. But but no, this is a part of it because I am dying to take you there. I went there for work, so I didn't even really get to experience it as I would have, as I would have liked. And it is the most, like we went island hopping and it was the most amazing experience and i would so love to do that with a partner aka you okay well in that case where where have i gone without you i liked costa rica and with lou i liked vegas the best it was just a fun time i I think about it often i liked our hotel which was what was it called oh we were at the the no, we were at the Gold Hotel where there was a shooting, and it was fantastic, and we would go back there in a heartbeat. Not a shooting while we were there, but there was a, a famous shooting there. Uh, so separating work home under quarantine. Said it a million times already and said it once this episode, but definitely schedules. There's no way to do it if you don't do that. Next question. Wait, what was the question? Separating work from home under quarantine. Basically got a schedule. They're always going to blend in under quarantine, but schedules help minimize everything. Who is better at asking people to ask questions and why? No, seriously. Mandalay Bay is where we stay. Mandalay Bay. Good one. Great hotel. Favorite baby product? Baby wipes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Real basic. To use for the baby? Yeah. Well, we use baby wipes for the baby. Yeah. I meant for myself, though. (laughs) 
Uh, but do not flush those in a toilet. We had an incident and... Uh, at our old house. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Favorite baby product for baby? Definitely a carrier. I love I love my carriers because it allows me to do so much. And I, it was the only thing that gave me freedom when Lucy was young. That really was a, a huge error on my part with those baby wipes. That was very costly. Like this week we got into a discussion about like being detail oriented. And that was my huge fault in our relationship and that yeah. was a lot of work and not only not only was it costly but it was like it mentally uh, a nightmare yeah we had, we had to go down and take care of it ourselves essentially because nobody else would yeah like no hired people would do the no. job <laughs> all right sex during pregnancy were y'all scared in first trimester or what i wasn't scared i wasn't scared i'm less scared i get way more scared the bigger the belly gets I don't like heartbeats. I don't like movements. I don't like anything that acknowledges that we are breathing people. Like I like <laughs> I like forgetting that I'm alive. Often I'm just like, and I, I, I hate forget. I like forgetting I'm going to die. Right. So if I feel a kick, I'm like ah. So I really do not like you as a sexual being at this time. Oh, that's nice to hear, Shane. Well, I mean that with love. Right. Well, what if we were uh, cozy in a way that. It kept the heartbeat very far from you. I'm just worried that, and I know it's cliche, but like I'm going to hurt the baby or something. And I know you're going to make like a little dinky joke here or something. Well, you saved me from having to do that. But yeah, you're such a weirdo. Because here's the thing. You still, you still do. Still do what? It. With me. I know. But I just, tr- I, it's a, a block for me and I don't want to be rude. I want to be honest. And listen, if you were like this for the rest of your life, I would, I would take it to my grave. But the fact is <laughs> there's three months left in this period. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. You're never going to actually like feel the baby kicking you while we were. No, even with my hand, like I'm tempted to touch your belly. It's like, it's a weird thing for me. <laughs> I don't know. There's like all this. It's like when I, when I walked by a bridge I just am like, what if I jumped? You know what I mean? I think weird thoughts like that. When I look over a balcony, I have this weird compulsion to like flip over it or something. You know what I mean? And when I see the belly, although I don't like it, I want to touch it. <laughs> does this make sense? Or am I just the biggest weirdo? No, I get it. Uh, you're a weirdo, yes, but it does It does make sense. The first trimester, I pretend like you're not even pregnant. Well, it, It's easy to pretend you don't look pregnant. Yeah. Glad to get that off my chest. (laughs) All right. Thoughts and experience with natural and medicinal inductions. I had a induced labor last time. I had the gel, the prostaglandin gel. I had the Foley balloon and I had the Pitocin drip. And it all went smooth. Like we had to get the baby out of there because they were worried about her size. And everything, everything went really well. And it was like a very beautiful birth and... We really loved it. Can you explain to me the love affair people have with natural birth? What's the appeal? I Okay, not for everybody, but I know there is one group that likes to experience it as like the womanly thing that they have the power to do and that so many people have done before them. For me, that's not an appeal. Like I'm I'm not drawn to that. And I I, I think that's it. I I don't know. I love to hear from people who uh, do really want natural birth and to know why 
you know, that's such a desire. But uh, may, I'm is, interested because it's never appealed to me. Is there like a danger? Do kids come out a little wonky when you got the drugs in them or something? Well, uh, some people think that, but I mean. Okay. Yeah. So And it, it they do sometimes slow down births and they could cause more harm to the mother sometimes. But I mean, I'm I'm here for the for the drugs. Gotcha. How are you prepping Lucy for Betty? I'm pregnant with number two and also have a daughter. So Lucy, we've been calling like the second my belly started getting big, uh, we've been calling, you know, we've been saying, oh, baby Betty lives in here. Yeah. If you're not telling anyone about the name of your child, tell your child. Yeah. Like just keep it a secret from everyone else if you're very precious about people knowing the name. And I found it, it helps Lucy understand what's going on. Lucy absolutely knows a baby sister's mm-hmm. coming. She knows the baby's in your belly, and she's already treating it like it's a little baby. Yeah, like she'll give it kisses every night before bed, or she'll sing to baby Betty, things like that. And there's a connection so that I'm hoping when the baby's actually out, we can say, this is baby Betty, then Lucy will see that my stomach, you know, is deflated and can connect the dots there and then have that same kind of love for her in the future as she does right now. And if you have a, like, we have a cat, when I, I treat the cat like it's a very delicate baby, and Lucy used to be very rough with the cat and kind of like pet her violently, but now she pets very gentle, mm-hmm. gentle, and we treat it like it's fine china. Next question. When and how was the moment each one realized you wanted to get married? I think before we went on our first date, and I had already met you before our first date, I said to myself, not only am I going to marry you i thought you're going to have my kids but i guess if you're getting married it's not that far of a jump to have kids (laughs) but i i got way ahead of myself and said what what brought you to that realization though i'm a pretty intuitive person i could get a sense of you you're like i say you're not complicated but that makes it almost seem like you're devoid of intelligence you are just uh what you see is what you get type person Mm -hmm. and it's anyone who meets you i think that's what they like about you is that you're a very sincere person for shane Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I knew the our first date. We we're hanging out at Gallagher's. Then we went back to my house. Like, I just think we we're having such a good time, and I didn't want uh, the good times to stop rolling, baby. I know, but you don't even remember that night. I remember it enough. Okay. Do you want to know the first question I got from Shane? Okay, you don't want me to ask. No. Okay. Anyhow, Alex- I remember <laughs> enough of that night. <laughs> I remember enough of it. And in the morning, we were hanging out eating leftover bags of chips. We went out for food, for breakfast. We had the best time. And honestly, it was it was such an immediate and strong connection. And then six months later, when we started talking about, well, why don't we just get married now? It was the easiest decision to make. It was like, yeah. And then at the end of the conversation, like we didn't have rings or anything, then we're like, okay, so we're engaged right now, right? Like, we're engaged. And yeah. then we got married a few months later. Yeah, and we just, our thought too at the time and in that initial conversation was like, we feel like we're married. We want to spend all of our time together. So why don't mm-hmm. we just go ahead and do it, not mess around? Because we were both ready. Like, we we'd mm-hmm. both had long-term relationships. We knew what we didn't want. I, I hate when it's like maybe five years too late and the guy proposes and it's like the woman's almost like like making co- jokes about where my ring is and- yeah and it's like oh like i like just how we did it yeah. and there's nothing wrong with the way anybody does it no. i'm just saying in my opinion here's what i like worked you know? for us yeah. yeah exactly so pretty much knew we wanted to get married right away 
And last question. It says, no question, but you two are such a beautiful couple. Beautiful. Thanks for putting out these shows. Well, that is a beautiful way. From? Nobody we know. All right. I like this person. Yeah, same. And it's, it's a beautiful way to end. So everybody, thank you for your questions. Thank you for your time. And thank you for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 35.